Echoes in eternity. You will once again be fighting for our freedom. Not from tyranny, oppression, or persecution, but from annihilation. We're fighting for our right to live. From the WSFI studio in Libertyville, Illinois, this is Pro-Life Today with your host, Joe Scheidler. Hello, everybody out there in listening land. This is Joe Scheidler with Pro-Life Today on WSFI. That's 88.5 FM, uh, WSFI Catholic Radio. And uh, today I have two guests that we've had on in another program. They just happened to be around. <laughs> Father Joe Luding came in from Hartford, Connecticut. He's a priest from the Hartford uh, Diocese. And uh, he's retired, but very, very active. He uh, uh, works with other priests. And for 30-some years, they've been getting together. And large numbers of these priests will come together and discuss the problems. And the idea has to spread for priests to get together. So, Father Joe, welcome to the program. Bonnie Quirk, welcome. welcome. Right. Uh, Joe, we call this the fraternity of priests, and we really don't have crowds. We had bigger groups uh, in the past, but this is a very demanding covenant community. And we have ten, 10 kingdom disciplines to keep us together. And we sign a covenant at the first Sunday of Advent every year. And here's the kingdom disciplines. First of all, to pray an hour a day. Wow. So necessary. Mm -hmm. Uh, to attend our meetings faithfully, not missing without reason and notice. Uh, this is a commitment of time, the most precious gift we have. We give to each other, and we're there for each other every Monday. To read scripture daily and keep a journal. To tithe 10%. To fast weekly. That's the hardest thing for me because I love to eat. But I know it works. I, I know it works when I'm hungry for God, and that's what we all should be. Uh, to accept the leadership and teaching of the fraternity, and a few others. Uh, and the last one is to empower God's people in the Holy Spirit. So, Babs, here I'm, I'm here to encourage you and, and you, Joe, in the Holy Spirit to do what you're doing for the kingdom of God. And that's very important for me. I, um, I read uh, evangelicals and Protestants and Jews and all kinds of literature. Uh, I love to read. So one day I came across this book by uh, Rick Warren. Now, Rick Warren wrote a book, it sold 20 million copies, uh, called What on Earth Am I Here For? And that was uh, an adaptation of the Baltimore Catechism in my, my perspective. We remember the first question, why did God create me? God created me to know him, love him, and serve him in this world and be happy uh, in the next. So uh, Rick Warren is so passionate to be a man of God and try to bring people together. So at the end of one of his books, he said, I hope you have felt my passion for the church as you have read these pages. I love the church with all of my heart. It's the most brilliant co concept ever created. If we intend to be like Jesus, we must love the church as he did, as he does. And we must teach each other to love the church as well. Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Too many Christians use the church but don't love it. 
So I call upon all of you listening here today to take another look at the church and give it a little kiss and a little pat on the back. Well, Father, I think, and I think you would agree with me, Joe, we need leadership from our priests like we're hearing today. I, I think part of the problem, at least for me in the laity, is perhaps that lack of zeal, I would call it. Yeah. Real zeal for the priesthood, for, for the church, for the faith. And when that turns cold, I think people turn cold. Absolutely. And Babs, you don't, not only need the church, but you deserve the church. You deserve the church that Jesus loves and gave up his life for. But you know what I've noticed, Father, from time to time, and I have a cousin who was a very good priest. He, he passed away now, but uh, he was really afraid to broach some of these issues of contraception, of abortion, and so on, because he knew people in the congregation would get up and walk out. And I remember one time he wanted to speak on abortion, but he didn't really know how. He knew that that members there supported it. Some women had had abortions and so on. So he asked me to come down to his church and to do the homily. He, he began it, and then he said, I want to introduce my cousin. And I talked about abortion and, and the church's position on abortion and all, and uh, only one couple left. And I was <laughs> glad that it wasn't a big mass exodus. But I think many priests are almost afraid to broach some of these controversial, quote-unquote, issues because they might lose some of their uh, supporters, do you think? And their envelopes, too. That's what I mean. But we have to be high-tension preachers. And we have to go beyond being people-pleasers to be God-pleasers. And we tell the truth respectfully and gently if we possibly can and let the chips fall where they may. Because so many Catholics do not know the Catholic teaching, especially in the areas of, of contraception and, and, and even abortion. And uh, I know couples that, that well, we went through a period there when there was a doubt about the pill, whether it was uh, permissible. and. Uh, many people waited and waited and didn't get uh, th their answer, and they uh, they were advised that it could be used since the church was. And then when they came out with the Humanae Vitae, then we have a lot of opposition, and I think that was the beginning of a lot of this falling off. I think we had a rebellion. It was. It was. I think we had. We needed Saint Michael at that point because it really was a rebellion, and I think you know we were. We were talking about young people. I think young people want to hear the truth. They do. They, and they recognize it if they hear it or when they hear it. They may not accept it. It's sort of like the movie Unplanned. Abby didn't accept that her parents were strongly pro-life. She remained working for the abortion clinic. But then there was a breakthrough when she saw the truth. And that's, I think, what young people need to hear. And, and I, think, I think priests have to preach with zeal and love that's right. the truth. And oftentimes, it's not done. 
<laughs> well, it's not done nearly enough, I hate to say it. That's why we need the fraternity. Yep. We come and we take the arrows out of each other's backs. <laughs> you mentioned that. So and, Babs, good. you mentioned something. Uh, at the beginning, uh, there was rebellion. I was part of that rebellion at the beginning because my teacher, uh, Father Louis Janssens in Louvain, he was one of the first major moral theology teachers to accept contraception. For example, he would argue, you know, if you can't have a face-to-face -face conversation, why not converse over the phone and use uh, modern uh, ways to enhance uh, conversation? But contraception is dealing with the very sacred process of of transmit, transmitting human life. And God is in that process. And I wouldn't want to frustrate him. I wouldn't want to put my will over his. And I think you're right when you say that a lot of people have left the Catholic Church because of contraception. They, they say, you know, the church always said she was right. And obviously she was wrong because 90% 90 90 of the people say she's wrong. <laughs> but if the church marries the spirit of the age, she'll be a widow in the next generation. And she's well on her way to being that. Well, maybe we have to go <laughs> through that process and do as best we can for ourselves and take our eyes off everybody else and be God-pleasers, not people-pleasers. I think that's a great saying, don't you, Joe? Right, I do. And Babs, you, you brought up The Unplanned, the, the movie that was so controversial about uh, Abby. Uh, and she um, had this uh, conversion after eight years of, of supporting Planned Parenthood, of taking all sorts of, uh, of, of uh, hits from, from her family and, and from uh, even in, in uh, side Planned Parenthood if she didn't agree with their uh, uh, estimate they had to do more abortions mm -hmm. and so on. But then seeing what an abortion did to a human being. And you know, I, when I was introducing the movie one night, I said, you, I hope there are people here from Planned Parenthood that have come to see because it's all about you. And I hope you're here just to see what she's done and you may walk out of here converted. And I have heard, actually, that Abby has brought around 400 and some former abortionists, people who worked in the abortion clinic, out into the pro-life movement by her conversion and by telling why she was converted because of what she saw, what actually an abortion is. We try to hide that. They, they doctor it up. They, uh, like, lit up the lights in New York when they uh, uh, passed the law. They... Uh, try to make almost a trivial thing out of destroying God's most important creation. That little tiny fertilized egg the size of a dot over an eye is more valuable than the universe. Absolutely. Made That's in the image and likeness of God. Made, right. it, made male and female at that moment. Well, Joe, what I think helped her to see the light was not just the sonogram of the unborn child. She probably had seen many of them in her eight years working there. But she was such a good Planned Parenthood worker that she got the uh, Worker of the Year Award. Mm -hmm. uh, and she went to corporate headquarters because she was the person of the year. And they told her at 
a Planned Parenthood headquarters that she had to double the number of abortions in her clinic. And she was horrified because all this time she, th- she believed that Planned Parenthood was good for women. It's good for the money. And th- I think that's what really can uh, throw her out of Planned Parenthood. But she also had a religious well, side Well, she of didn't that. leave right away with that. Um, she didn't leave idea, and she was reprimanded for saying, you know, look, look at this part of our, of our readings. And... Um, but she stayed on with him. I think it was the seeing of an abortion. Uh, that Because she, um, she said, looked at the body parts, she actually put them back together and all that thing in the product of conception yeah. or pieces of children award, uh, 30, 40 uh, bottles of these babies. She would work with that. But I think she had to see the live baby fighting for its life in that sonogram. And I thought she, she indicated that she had not watched a, a, a real-time ultrasound of an abortion. So I think it was more than just uh, the, the doubling and, and the, the betrayal and all. But I think seeing is believing. And that's why I think it's so important that people have to have the courage to go out on the streets and take a pamphlet, take a leaflet, hand them out to people. My little... Uh, uh, granddaughter Hopi and, and Faith, they were out one day, they handed out thousands of leaflets, they're so cute, and everybody took them, they don't take them from me, but they took them from Hopi and Faith, and Hope made a little sign that said, I'm pro-life, ask me why, <laughs> and she would get in these discussions with people, and with all this enthusiasm of, of the youth, and it was just a, a very beautiful thing to see. But I think we're coming to a a little break here, and uh, we'll be right back. I'm Joe Scheidler. You're listening to Pro-Life Today. We'll be right back. From the Church of St. Mary's and the Chicago Bulls, I I believe Catholic Radio is important for all of us out there listening to help us through days when maybe our faith is being challenged by many different obstacles that are put in our way. And it's a chance to reflect and just think and hear stories from other people that maybe are going through the exact same issues that we are going through and how they have struggled and how they are getting through their problems today. WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio is committed to bringing quality Catholic programs to our local community. We only can do that with your financial support. Take a moment now to donate online at wsfiradio.org or mail your tax-deductible donation to WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois 60048. That's WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois 60048. Donations of any amount are greatly appreciated. Want an example of a false sense of security? How about relying on the life insurance you get through work to pay for all of your final expenses? Do you have plans to retire someday? Or do you plan on working for that company for the rest of your life? The fact is, you may lose your life insurance when you leave a company. I'm Matt Tomlinson from Catholic Financial Life, and I invite you to share your hopes and dreams with me. To discuss your options for protecting your family, call me at 847-548-MATT. That's 847-548-6288. Products and services not available in all states. 
Hi, this is Wes Riccio from the Holy Family Catholic Bookstore. If you have a child, grandchild, or godchild being baptized, receiving their first Holy Communion, or being confirmed, remember that Holy Family has the area's largest selection of gifts, accessories, and supplies to make their special day more memorable. For baptism, we have cradle medals, baby Bibles, wall crosses, and nightlights. We have beautiful baptismal gowns and accessories, as well as invitations and cards. If you have a First Holy Communion in your family, we have a wide variety of mass books and gift sets, rosaries and medals. We have exquisite veils for the girls and ties for the boys, along with all of the necessary party supplies. Our suggestions for new confirmants include personal-sized Bibles, prayer books, and other spiritual readings that can follow them through their lifetime. And don't forget the godparents and sponsors. We have gifts and cards for them as well. The Holy Family Catholic Bookstore is at 9249 Old Green Bay Road, Pleasant Prairie, Wisconsin. More information is available on Facebook. Hello and welcome back to this episode of Pro-Life Today. I'm Joe Shidley, your host on WSFI 88.5 FM. My guests today are Father Joe Looney. He's from the Diocese of Hartford, Connecticut, a retired priest but still very, very active and uh, has a fraternity of priests that uh, he's trying to make more of a, a popular idea for priests to get together. And Bonnie Quirk here from Libertyville uh, was in the studio, and I thought, well, Bonnie, you've probably got lots of questions for Father. And uh, we came up with something when we were taking a little break. Father and I disagree on the, the, the movie uh, Unborn, Unplanned, Unplanned where, where Abby Johnson actually does stop doing abortions, quits the abortion business after eight years, and I thought it was basically because of what she saw in the real-time ultrasound when she was asked to help with an abortion, which I understood she had not done before, even though she had put body parts back together. Now, Father, you think she had probably seen it. Why would why would this one particular um, abortion turn her away from it I, I don't know joe but there's two kinds of people in the abortion uh, f- facility there's the talking heads that admit the the girls and tell them there it's not going to hurt them and then there's the actual ghouls that do right. the surgery so uh, i think it is also her experience at planned parenthood headquarters she had been working very hard, conscientiously, because she thought she was helping the cause of women. And she was named Employee of the Year. So she got to go to corporate headquarters, and she was listening to a presentation by her supervisor. And the supervisor said, from now on, you have to double the number of abortions mm-hmm. by this time next year. I remember that. Right. And she was actually, actually shocked. She, she, she thought she was trying to make abortions rare. And uh, when she objected, the supervisor said, look, this is what pays your salary. Don't forget it. Right. Well, and Bonnie, you, know, you had you had a, a kind of a, 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 a arrangement that I think was was very valid. Would uh, I think it was a perfect storm, if you will. I think seeing the ultrasound, seeing that baby jerking back when the instrument was inserted, seeing it disappear slowly uh, in the movie. Uh, as it would in any abortion clinic. I think the shock that her employer, she thought she was helping women. She thought she was making a difference. 
and all of a sudden she's reprimanded and written up and and here she she had just received an award and then there was the consistent love shown to her outside the clinic uh, people who were praying who were protesting if you will but basically praying praying for Abby and praying for the mothers that were going in and for their, them to change their mind and the strong convictions of her family and I think it cracked her shell and she saw it for what it was I like that Trinitarian template. <laughs> uh, but sometimes we have to be cracked in, in, in order to see the truth and change our lives and, and, and turn around. And you mentioned the prayer factor. I used to be a chaplain at a hospital that did uh, abortions. They call it VIP, Voluntary Interruption of Pregnancy. And if you turned right on the fourth floor, you went into the newborn unit. If you turned left, you went to the abortuary. Well, um, that, that was really, really something. But we prayed for 10 years every third Sunday of the month with a holy hour, a Eucharistic holy hour of reparation and apology for sin. And after 10 years, guess what happened? The hospital went bankrupt and had to go under the wing of the local Catholic hospital who had more money. And now the two of them are working very well together with no abortions. Prayer changes things. Oh, yeah. Prayer. Eucharistic adoration, especially. And people have the courage to go out there and pick it and uh, uh, things like that, like my friend Joe Scheidler. Well, Joe, you've been, you know, you've been a milestone. In the, and from the beginning, uh, that consistent, unwavering witness to life, you and Anne. Uh, and and that's what this world needs. That's what they look for. They're, I think young people are looking for heroes. Uh, they're looking for people who are morally convicted uh, people, just like we have the sacrament of confession. Right. We have to promote that more. Right. It's not. It, I think a lot of people think, "Oh, I'm not." Oh, I, uh, you know, mercy, I can just say to God, I, I'm sorry. No. Or else they say, I never did anything wrong. Hmm. And you know what I say to them? Ask your wife what you did, and you'll get a few things to confess. You'll have a list. <laughs> Don't you remember <laughs> Joe Stephen Mosier when he came into the church after a, a quite a wild ride in uh, uh in life, but came through the pro-life movement, certainly. Uh, it, but when he said he was going for his first confession, his wife said, can I pack your lunch? Right. Uh-huh. Well, you know, uh, Dr. Bernard Nathanson, uh, I used to listen to him. You know, he was a big abortionist mm -hmm. in New York, had something like 70,000 abortions. Including to his, his wife. His, right, his own, uh, well, the girlfriend, whatever. Friend. Right. Yeah, he aborted his own child. And uh, I saw him one time, and I, I said, you know, you don't sound sincere to me. I'm sorry, but you just don't sound sincere. And he said, Joe, their suicide runs in my family. He said, if I would let myself concentrate on what I've done, I've wiped out a city. 
I wiped out the future generations. He said, if I would let that take hold of me, I might destroy myself. And I, I had to have compassion for him. He simply had to kind of dodge around it a little bit to keep from losing his mind. And he, he was a wonderful man. He know. was. Converted. And, and he converted. And he told, he said the day that he was baptized, he realized all his sins were gone. Uh-huh. And that's the beauty of the divine mercy. Of God. Which we all need. Which we all need. And so I was so impressed with that because I saw him one time in New York. We were making a film. And he just happened to come walking down the street when I'd walked out of the building, which is a little bit unlikely in New York City. But uh, he came in and gave a talk and did a beautiful presentation uh, for our film. And it's, uh, I, I felt so, uh, I, I realized God's grace is infinite. To bring a man that has been a leader, who helped found NARAL, the National Abortion Rights Lied Action Lied about all the statistics. Made up stories mm -hmm. and sold abortion and then becomes a Catholic, practicing, loving his religion, totally fighting abortion. It's the conversion story in, in, in our time. Anyway, that I think it's good the way you sort of rounded around that she, she was coming around through the whole thing with her own family being opposed mm -hmm. to abortion, her own husband wishing she would stop. And the loving and affirming pro-lifers, they weren't angrily hollering at her and no. you're going to hell and all this stuff. They were merciful to her. Which is a good reminder, Father, uh, for people who are overly zealous in the pro-life movement who don't realize that you're not going to achieve your goal by calling other people names. You'll, you'll never crack that shell, so to speak. I think you can show them the truth, absolutely. But you do it in a loving way. Absolutely. And I think that that was Bernard Nathanson. I mean, God met him at his intellect, where he meets all of us with the gifts he gives us. But he met Bernard Nathanson at his intellect with a, a, a non-practicing Jew uh, who came all the way home. And how did he do that? Right. To the mercy of God. Right. And he learned he had to be merciful to himself, too. Exactly. And to be merciful to others. And we really have to be merciful to ourselves when we don't achieve the goals that we, that we try so hard to achieve. And when we don't uh, achieve them, we have to be, say, mercy on me. Uh, rather than punish ourselves and that's very very important and we have to learn to be merciful to others as well well i i would ask just for a moment joe if i could where do we think the movement is going the right to life movement we have concentrated on abortion for a very long time but it seems as if our society is moving the geography into the disabled and elderly. And, You're right. You're and right. I think our, our listeners need to know that the same ethic is there. You never kill. Uh, and I think your fraternity of priests is very important in that it role, is. Father. Right. 
Because assisted suicide is becoming the law of the land. It is. We already have states where you get two doctors and uh, the person's not terminally ill or right. necessarily, but they can select assisted suicide. I know. Which is, is, is evil uh, personified. It is indeed. And it's coming. Well, it's we coming. beat that lobby five, five years in a row in Connecticut. And I don't know how the, the story is right now, but um, I can imagine if greedy heirs want to get the money from their parents and they say, gee, you're, you're sick now. Why don't you just uh, have the doctor take care of the things for you? And then they get the money. Follow the money trail. Always the money. Always yeah. the money. Well, yeah. Joe, I think we're running close to time. I think you should. I'll take over the host, and you have the last word. Oh, thank you. Well, you've been listening to Pro-Life Today at uh, WSFI 88.5 FM. And I want to thank Father Joe Looney from Hartford, Connecticut, for coming out here and being on a program. And I want to thank Barbara Cork for coming from all the way from Libertyville, from Libertyville to be on our program today. So um, if you want to become more active in the pro-life cause, just give me a call at Pro-Life Action League or our website, prolifeaction.org. And I'd like to bless this audience in the very words of St. Patrick himself, from the fifth century, and I'm in an Acheragos and Vic Acheragos, it's Britney, I'm in. Amen. Amen.